0: Two years, two years ago my family and I left this wonderful congregation and set out toward the mountains in northeast Georgia to a small congregation in the town of Tiger. About 28 to 30 members, the Lord has blessed us over the last two years, the the congregation has grown uh, to 40 and we are still getting out in the community. Uh, there in Tiger, they, the congregation there in Raven County is only about 20 years old. There is only one congregation in the whole county. So, so think of, of going to somewhere where there's about 17 to 19,000 people and only one congregation in the Lord's Church in which to worship. And that is us. I thank so much this congregation, the elders, uh, this congregation for your support, for your prayers, uh, for me and my family, they, they really wish they could be here. Uh, but when you are at a small congregation, uh, as Bill said, uh, you have a 17-year-old son who can preach God's word. He stayed back uh, there to, to preach this morning. I'm very proud of Micah. Uh, my family uh, really wanted to come. Uh, Lord willing, maybe this summer we'll be able to take a vacation and, and all of us come over here one Sunday. But greatly appreciate your presence here. If you have your Bible, please open it to 1 John chapter 1. We'll begin here in 1 John and the passage that was just read. John gives us the reason that he wrote this book. The reason that he wrote this book was there found in verse 4, that your joy may be full. Sometimes we as Christians, we we walk around, we come to services on Sunday morning and, and we look like we were weaned on pickle juice. And we look like we we're not happy to be here. But brethren, if you're a Christian, you need to have joy in your heart. You, you need to be overflowing with joy. And, and, and as we look this morning, we're going to look at very quickly at four reasons why John says that our joy should be full. That we should be overflowing with joy. And in the first place, we should, our joy should be full because we have fellowship. Look with me at 1 John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 5. John says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we, say we have no fellow, if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Well, who, to, from whom should we be happy? Should we, we joy that we have fellowship with? Well, number one, we should joy that we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship as Christians with God, and, and so our joy should be full. Look at verse 3 there in 1 John chapter 1. It says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. And then the two passages, the two two verses there, verse 5 and 6, that we just read. If we have fellowship, if we truly have fellowship with God, we're walking in the light, he says. And we should be joyful having fellowship with God. Remember what Jesus said in his prayer to God right before he was crucified in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 21, Jesus says that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I am in thee, that they may also be one in us and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That oneness, that fellowship that we are to have with God, what joy it brings to us. In Romans, Paul wrote the Roman brethren in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. And he said, For if when we were the enemies we were reconciled with God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. That reconciliation is what brought us that fellowship that we have with God. But not only should we be happy, should we be joyful with our fellowship with God, but we should be joyful With our fellowship with one another. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son. Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Think about the fellowship that we have with one another. We we, we go out into the world Monday through Friday. Sometimes Monday through Saturday. And we're working with, with those. And working around those who Don't have fellowship with God. And we're constantly in a world seeing a world of sin and what great joy it is that we can call on our brothers and sisters in Christ. That we can gather on Sunday and be with one another and have our spiritual batteries recharged because we have fellowship one with another. Look over at chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 11. He tells us how we can have this fellowship and what this fellowship is based upon. Chapter 3 and verse 11, he says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that, ye should, that we should love one another. That fellowship that we have with one another is based upon love, our love for one another, our love for God. Look over at chapter 4 and verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. We should love one another. That's what God wants. God wants us to have fellowship, he wants us to have love for one another. That is his plan for us. Jesus gave that commandment in John chapter 13 beginning in verse 34 when he says, A new commandment I give unto thee, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye may also love one another. By this all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. People can look at us if we're Christians, if we love one another, if we're having fellowship with one another, and they can see God in us. And our hopes, our dreams, our plans are when they look at us and they go, Look what they have as a church family. I want that. And that opens a door that we can teach others. And so our joy should be full that we have fellowship. But not only should should it be full that we have fellowship, but it also should be full in the second place because we have a friend. We have a friend. Look at chapter 2 and beginning in verse 1. John says, "'My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. And hereby we we know that we know him if we keep his commandments.' He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word, in him verily or truly is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith, he abided in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. We have a friend, we have an advocate, we have the propitiation for our sin. Think about that for a moment. Christ being the advocate. He is that friend who loves us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth knoweth God. Loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In, his, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. It was made known toward us, John says. Why? Be- or how? Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that, he, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's that word again, the atonement for our sins. Think about the nature of God, and, and Brother Billy talked about that this morning a little bit, and how, how God is against His divine nature to lie. And we think about God's nature, and, and when we sin, we violate God's holiness. His wrath is... It's flared up against us and the only thing that could, could quench that or cool that wrath is blood. And it's the blood of Christ. Christ loved us so much that, that He came to this earth and He quenched that wrath. God loved us so much that He didn't leave us in that state. He loves us. And we have that friend who loves us. The golden text of the Bible, John chapter 3 and verse 16, it tells us how much God loved us. How much did he love us? The two-letter word is so. We can't really, in our human minds, grasp how much God loved us. But he loved us. And our joy should be full. Because he did love us. Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes to the brethren in Philippi, and he said, begins in verse 6, and he says, Who, talking about Christ being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found fashion as, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And I try to, try to wrap my head around why of, of Christ coming and, and, and to this earth. Sometimes we don't realize what he left in heaven. His rightful place was in heaven. And my sin brought him to the earth. It's because of me. It's because of each of us. But it's because he loved us so much. And that should bring joy to our hearts. Jesus said to the disciples, He gave them a commandment. He said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Let that sink in for a moment. Knowing all the things that Christ did for us, and we're to love one another that much, we truly have a friend. But not only will we have a friend that loved us, we have a friend who died for us. John, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. John writes, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he, Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Christ died for us. Our joy should be full and it should give us an example of what we should do toward our brethren. How we should act toward our brethren. That he gave his life for us. And we too should be willing to give anything that we can to our brethren because our joy should be full. Greater love had no man than this. than to lay down his life for his friends, the words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 15 and verse... 13. Jesus truly laid down his life for us, his friends. Paul records that in Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6 as Paul writes for when we were without yet strength or when we yet were without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man one will yet peradventure die or, or or well, rather, for yet, for adventure, for, or would one would die. And for adventure, for a good man, even some would even die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says we were not even considered righteous men. We were not considered good men. We were ungodly. We were sinners. But Christ loved us so much that he died for us. We have a friend. Our joy should be full. He loved us and he died for us. Third point, very quickly. Our joy should be full because we can be aware of false prophets. Look at chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. John writes, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now are already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Our joy should be full that we know we can go to the scriptures and, and know whether if we're listening to a false prophet or not, a false teacher or not. To make sure that whoever is is standing in this pulpit or or on the television screen is telling us what God truly wants us to know. Because they are giving you book, chapter, and verse. They are speaking as of the oracles of God, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. Think about the deception of of Satan. And we can see in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, that deception of Satan. And he says, John says here, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world's passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time, the Christian age, he says. And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have confirmed or continued with us. But they went out. That, that they might be, be made manifest that they were not of us. We can turn on our TVs today. And we can see the deception of Satan. How he uses us, he uses three simple ways to get to each one of us. The same three ways he used to get to Jesus in the temptation recorded in Matthew chapter 4. Pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. But we can be aware of the deception of Satan. We can be sober, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Knowing that he is that r- roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. We can know that Satan is out there. In chapter 3, here in 1 John, verse 7, when he says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that c- committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was made known or manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we can recognize that. We can recognize the deceptions of Satan and we can recognize the deceitfulness of the words of those who follow him. Think about what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 when he said, in beginning in verse 15, in account the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them the things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist, as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. There are many out there that do that. Many, even in, in, in the small county of Raven County that I have talked to, that have no idea what the Bible says, but they claim to be preachers. And they will stand in pulpits all over the county and speak something that is foreign to the Bible. But if we know the Bible, if we are studying as Paul told Timothy, we can be aware of that and that brings us joy. Paul told Timothy. He warned them of these in 2 Timothy chapter 4. After he told Timothy to preach the word, he says beginning in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away from their ears from the truth and be turned into fables. Titus. Paul writes to him in Titus chapter 1 verses 10 through 16, and he talks about those whose mouths should be stopped, those who who are teaching what they ought not for, as Paul says, filthy lucre's sake. You can turn on the television and and a preacher can stand up there and he looks very good and and the, the camera's like him and he'll smile and he'll say, send me money. And God will forgive you. That's foreign to the Bible. Second Thessalonians, Paul warns them of those who receive not the love of the truth, but they turn to delusions. Well, our joy needs to be full because we can be aware of these false prophets. And last, our joy needs to be full because we have a future home. Look with me in chapter 5. First John chapter 5 beginning in verse 13 John says these things I have written unto you that that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. We can know we have a future home. When, when we that, that are Christians, when we that, that are walking in, in the light, we have fellowship, we, we know we have a friend, we're aware of those false prophets, then we can go home and, and lay our heads on the pillow tonight and know we have a future home. And that should bring us joy. That assurance of heaven. That assurance that, that Paul was confident about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. When he says, I am ready, now ready to be off, for the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but unto all also that love is appearing. We know, we can know we have a future home. And that should bring us joy. The same joy it brought the Apostle Paul. When he talked in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5 for the hope, that hope which is not just some hope that the world says it is, well, maybe it's up there. No, that, is, that hope, that word there is expectation. We expect it. He said for that hope, that ex- expectation which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Heaven, that future home where our conversation is, our manner of life where we belong as Christians in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. I hope your joy is full this morning. As we close our Bibles, Brother Billy is going to lead us in an invitation song. And maybe someone is here this morning and their joy is not full. Maybe they think they've got it all, but they don't experience that fullness of joy because they're not a Christian. Well, you can become a Christian today, but you have to have that faith. That faith the Hebrew writer talks about is impossible. Without it, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. What does that faith consist of? It consists of hearing the Word of God and believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that He rose the third day. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 and verse 9. Maybe you have that faith. Then why won't you come and repent of your sins? Turning to God and, and saying, God, I am no longer going to live like I want to. I'm, never, I'm not going to live by my desires, my thoughts anymore, but I'm going to live by Your Word and I'm going to turn to You. And I'm going to repent. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, I'm going to do what you command, then confess Christ before this audience, just as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, just as Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 10, and then be baptized to have your sins washed away to come out a new creature, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Maybe you're hearing you've done that, but you still don't have that joy. That joy that, Paul, or that John rather talks about. Maybe it's because of sin or maybe it's because of neglect. Remember the words of John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The invitation is yours. While together we stand.